1: Like kobe in the this is the dane More nba podcast brought to you by blue wire podcasts sunday afternoon um after just a bizarre week in timberwolves world whoops lost to the thunder on monday a tanking thunder team they got blown out by dallas on wednesday made no trades on thursday pretty gross loss or gross win on friday over the rockets i can't even subconsciously Clear that in my head, and then whatever the hell happened uh, last night against the Rockets again. Britt Robson of the Athletic is my guest to talk about all of that, and I just I don't even want to just start by piling on. And so I, I'm trying to find positives. You have you got vaccination number two coming up this week, Britt. Like I do. it's it's not all not all is is bad in the world today. Timberwolves world is just messy.
2: Right. I, I think that this hastens the reckoning. So, I mean, that's a silver lining. Um, there you, go. you know, that I, I think that um, the distance this team is away from the bottom of the playoff heap, um, let alone uh, a guaranteed playoff game, let alone hosting a playoff series, and maybe getting past the first round, which are all significant steps that require um, growth. Um, None of that's happening right now. They are not a square one team because they have interesting pieces. But what has happened, what has characterized the Gerson Rosas regime is chaos. he welcomed chaos in the beginning. I think he even got sick of chaos, which is why they, they stood pat at the trading deadline because he realized that um, this whole pattern of just keep tinkering, tinkering, trying to get the little margins. um, He was cutting off his nose to spite his face for this franchise. This franchise has absolutely no continuity. Um, And as a result, I mean, who has, Who's Carl anthony Towns played with enough to really know on the right. team? Seriously. I mean, who? Um, the, he's probably played more minutes with Josh Okoge than anybody who's hurt right now or in COVID protocol or whatever. Um, but he's played not that many minutes with Okogie this year. And then after that, probably second is Jared Cole you know, who is not going to figure into this team's plans. And, so the, and Rubio. Oh, yeah, Rubio. Yeah, well, that was many years ago. Yeah, but you're right. At the beginning of the season, he actually played a fair bit with Rubio. Um, but those are two guys. Those We're talking about the guys who know each other best. Uh, <laughs> and they don't know each other at all. It's You go in to play almost any of these other teams, um, they have a lot of continuity. Now, the Rockets didn't, and the Thunder didn't. But what they both have is this idea that it is almost a clean slate for the Thunder. It's Gilgis Alexander, and then the rest for the Rockets. They probably don't even have that signature guy. It's not John Wall. He's at the tail end of his career. They don't have a signature guy. Maybe. Um, Christian Wood. Yeah. I would say Christian Wood, who didn't who play, didn't play. <laughs> the other night. Um, but the point being is they have, um, a sense that anything is possible. This Wolves team has the disadvantage of chaos and the disadvantage of some entitlement. Um, Malik Beasley feels entitled. Anthony Edwards feels entitled. Carl Anthony Towns feels entitled. D'Angelo Russell feels entitled, and he hasn't even set foot on the court in five weeks. But they all feel entitled. They all feel like, hey, when push comes to shove, I'm out there and I'm one of the guys that they're going to lean on. Well, and there's chaos. So you put those two things together. You have a coaching change. You have a bunch of people cycling through um, and you have an absence of responsibility and accountability. And that's what we're seeing right now. Um, We're seeing a team that is much worse than the sum of its parts. The sum of its parts actually is is not that bad. Uh, If you spread these people, the four guys I just mentioned to other teams, they would find their way into rotations of good teams, I think. Sure. Um, The question then becomes, why can't they get it together? And I think a lot of that has to do with overcoming a really, really terrible decades long culture. chaos and also this sense that and there's no shoe that's going to drop this this year i mean nothing nothing earth shattering is going to happen in the next two months um and then you know there's going to be a fallout. we'll see what happens the wolves may get the pick they may not get the pick which is a joke in and of itself right
1: all right well to that to that chaos right that you said at the beginning that, Uh that rosa's did sign up for um and, and and was and was probably in in many ways a good idea to sign up for right given what the status of the roster. is. He's one he of the arsonists, though.
2: I mean, he, he didn't sure. only signed up for it; he, he basically went out and bought the tools.
1: And and so what I I think as I as I think through that is it's not it's not necessarily the process of of determining that that's the right move and purchasing the tools. I think the flaw that is beginning to present itself, which I'm curious of, is you know. Did he believe more in the quality of the pieces that he left on the roster and the ones that he brought in? Because, because now we're at the point where the arson is done and and you're left with, with this. And 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 to your point, it it feels a bit rotten. And and you just have to you you can't help but be skeptical and question what the the feasibility of this going forward is. So I I would be very curious on truth serum, what Gerson Rosas would say about this roster would, would obviously he would believe all pieces back together. You have a training camp and, and, and happy, go lucky, all that. What, how good even is it? You know, how good even is this, is this team post chaos? Where, where, where can it go? Because it, it seems illogical to suggest that a team that is doing this right now with many of those pieces in place is as bad as it is. It, it, it seems illogical to say if we got a fresh start and got to start the year over new that they would even be able to be 500. That seems illogical, if not impossible.
2: Well, having sat through a lot of really bad Timberwolves teams. <laughs> in my time I will tell you that a lot of it is a gradual accretion it's kind of like the macro version a season is like the macro version of how runs happen in, a, in an NBA game you have a mistake you right, should hit you, yeah. you should hit a wide open three you don't you should get that long offensive rebound you don't you should be getting back in transition you don't all of a sudden they score instead of plus three you're minus two that happens four or five times in a game that's 20 points all of a sudden you've lost that game it's these types of things that begin to weigh on people begin to say well maybe we're not this maybe you're not this and I think one of the reasons why Tom Thibodeau got the success he got was that he was willing to throw everything else out to prevent that. He was a play-by-play guy. He was a small picture guy. That's why he wore his guys out in terms of minutes. That's why he wore his guys out in terms of berating them and micro substitutions if, you know, Gorgie Jang sneezed on the court during the Tibbs era. That was it for him. Um, and he was a maniacal micro guy. Um, and to the point where he needed maniacal micro players to reinforce it, because that's not the way the NBA is is wired right now, for the most part.
1: He did everything to dismiss chaos, to to, exactly. to not let it in.
2: That's right. And to the point where, you know, you wouldn't tell anybody what he was doing with the media. You figure it out for yourself. He wouldn't let anybody in the Wolves organization get in on what he was up to. I mean, he was very, very insular. He was a black mirror kind of guy. And so um, that worked to the tune of getting in at the eighth seed on game 82, sacrificing much of the future for the present. Now, everybody can, this you know, if you've heard this one time, you've heard it a thousand times. They were in third place until Butler got hurt. Yeah, okay. That's that's always going to be, like, your best case scenario. I would say logic would say that they probably wouldn't have finished third because that was their peak, and then it happened. Um, But that said, if Butler had stuck around and endured it for a while this i think the wolves made it, would have made the playoffs the following year as well and then they would have started to maybe get something rolling
1: and instead um, we're here
2: instead we're here and a i mean, that's that,
1: literally the timetable it hasn't been that long
2: oh right? no exactly like, exactly and i think it's because um butler and tibbs well tibbs is who he is and he signed up for this because It gave him a chance to run the team, payroll, and uh, substitutions for five years or get paid to do nothing if that didn't happen. (laughs) That's a pretty cool offer. So he went out and got the guys that he thought could implement that vision once he decided that he wasn't going to be able to do it with the core that was here. He didn't want to do it. Well, guess what? Butler didn't want to do it either. Butler didn't want to... have to rear these guys. He wanted guys who were more ready-made for the kind of player he was. Um, Which is all to say that increments eventually accrete into something relatively substantial and then momentum gets generated, whether it's negative momentum or positive momentum. In the Wolves case, it's mostly negative momentum. Um, That is owing to culture and inattention to detail in terms of the big picture, um, or in, in terms of how this day-by-day, step-by-step, play-by-play transforms into the big picture. If you pull back a little bit, you say, Gerson Rosas, you've built a roster where your top four players suck on defense. Are you nice. kidding? Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, you know, if if you really expect to compete in the Western conference and by the way, your Houston Rockets franchise went with that vision that you were in the room, I'm sure for the stirrings of that vision uh, to the point where they traded Capella to get Covington and those guys, I mean, all in on a certain kind of philosophy that I admit was a kick in the pants. It was a lot of fun to watch for a while. Rockets were one of my favorite teams to watch for about six weeks, but (laughs) could not sustain. And they just didn't really have an approach that was a solid, it was like a cheat code to how to play without having to follow the normal steps.
1: Well, so so I think actually tying... The, the Butler Tibbs thing together with the Rockets thing that you're just talking about, I think, I think about leadership, right? And right. I think you you had you had clear leadership in Tibbs and Jimmy in on that Minnesota team, and that was whether it was Tibbs controlling the chaos um, or it was Jimmy instilling the fire and you Taj, that,
2: and, and Taj yeah. was really important for the chaos because Taj was the guy who sure. prevented chaos in the locker room as it wasn't only chaos on the court or lack mm-hmm. of chaos on the court in the locker room. I mean, yeah, Towns never ventured within five feet of Jimmy Butler's locker because he was afraid he was going to get shamed <laughs> or something. Um, but Taj was there. Taj literally was between Towns and Butler in that locker room. Yeah, And so... So then I, I think you,
1: you look at this that, that version of the Houston team where to to one end, they had one of, if not the best leader Chris in Paul. basketball in Chris Paul. But the problem was that team also had a leadership problem because their best player was not the leader and That's was right. not effectively leading with James
2: Harden. And, and that and was I'm, Chris Paul. That was Chris Paul getting the lay of the land and saying, I'm not going to get into a pissing match with this guy. I'm going to try to make this work the way it's working. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to this team. I was on the Clippers when this guy was on the Rockets. I'll come in and be the guy. Sure. I would love to be at least a co-alpha, if not the alpha. But I will be kind of acknowledged as a co-alpha, but really the beta on this team.
1: And Doesn't that remind you of... The Towns and Rubio situation that's happening here, obviously a discounted version of it in terms of leadership on this team, where by all accounts, you know, much like Chris Paul was revered as the best leader in that Rockets locker room, Ricky yeah. Rubio is revered as the best leader in this Timberwolves locker room. Yet you run into that same problem where Ricky Rubio is clearly not the best player, and and Cat is. And similarly, I feel like Cat is struggling with leading this group. I, I thought as they went into halftime last night, down 26 or whatever it was, I I would have almost never more than any other time would have liked to be a fly on the wall in that locker room. Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? What, what, what is that does that locker room look like? Who is saying something? Is it silent? Where is, what are you doing to be more prideful about what is happening? I mean, they walked into that locker room, down twenty six to the Rockets with their pants down. I mean, right. right? Who who's pulling up the pants? You know, and and that's why I don't even put that like. A lot of leadership is coaching, right? We acknowledge Tibbs in that, and I think and Chris Finch, you know, he he plays a role in that too. But to me, there is that these results are happening over and over is is about a failure of player leadership as well, and there's this weird sort of dichotomy hierarchy of what is going on there from, from Rubio to Cat to Malik thinks he's the guy. dilo's also in the mix here. And, and it goes back to your entitlement thing. And Ant believes he's the best player on the team too. So it's this, it's this whole cocktail where I know people maybe kind of hate when we speculate on the mentalities and all this sort of thing. But I, do, I personally believe this is part of the problem here because you do have enough talent to not be getting your ass kicked by the Rockets you know, at home, you do, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make enough sense. It doesn't make sense to rattle off this week and what happened and, and, and be here without it signals to me. You don't have the right type of leadership in place.
2: And, and I think this is what you just said. That whole, um, five minutes there is very well stated. I would make some really important, um, qualifications that first of all there is no leadership on the Timberwolves Ricky Rubio is not Ricky Rubio has been traded three times in five years leaders don't get traded three times in five years Chris Paul has been traded twice so yes you could say that but I think you can't Rubio to Chris Paul in terms of both play and leadership is a yawning chasm you know um, I said there's a difference, but no, no, I think no, there's,
1: I know, a, there, I there's a reflection there, there too. There is
2: no... Carl anthony Towns is not a natural leader. Carl anthony Towns can be viewed with cynicism when he says things. I know enough people who have played with Kat and seen enough interactions to know that he is not the natural leader on that team.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There is a void in leadership. Uh, I think Kat, by the way, having just you know, said some really nasty things about him, I think he's basically tried to be a lot better. He's a lot more mature and he's saying a lot more of the right things and he's not uh, getting so... Um, uh, and he has a better perception of how things that come out of his mouth might be taken than he did in the past. Agreed. So I would, I would argue that there has been maturity that's taken place there, but um, just like you want to rate players for how they are in terms of pecking order in terms of their talent, Towns is clearly number one, Towns should not be the number one guy in terms of locker room leadership on any team unless things dramatically change for him. Um, he's not a problem, he's just not a leader. And so, Do you think
1: that the front office agrees with you?
2: If they don't, that's a bigger worry than a lot of other things that are going on. If if they really think that Cat is um, the person who will set the tone for the franchise in the locker room as well as on the court, I think that um, that's a that's a real problem. I don't have. I, have they accounted for that in ways by
1: by acquiring? De, I'm not saying that this is these are perfect, right, but have right. they taken shots at it at adjusting off of that by trading for D'Angelo Russell and and a guy who might have authority over Cat? I would say in ways he does. In trading for a guy like Ricky Rubio, who is a natural leader, even if he isn't, you know, your ideal number one leader, Uh I think some of their behavior reflects some of the questioning that you're making.
2: Yeah. Again, um, it's a cultural smorgasbord of dysfunction. So um, one of the reasons this regime has stooped down to kiss cat's ass constantly since it walked in the door is because Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler disrespected him so thoroughly. I mean, you didn't have to have it be such a public flogging of somebody who just wants to get along with people and be respected for being a good stand-up guy. That's pretty much what Cat wanted out of that. Cat attended the Jimmy Butler thing when he got announced at uh, the Mall of America that day. Yeah. Uh, you know, what did he get for that? You know? Um, and so Tibbs was always said, well, it's not like it is in college or whatever. You know, I mean, it's just the, the maltreatment of Carl Anthony Towns by Tom Thibodeau is among his biggest sins in running this franchise. He was brought in to basically rear the kids. He traded one of them. The other one, I think, um, was wasn't ever, Wiggins wasn't ever gonna pan out, but Cat, the way that Cat wound up getting treated by Butler and Tibbs, by Butler especially, with Tibbs' acquiescence either actively or tacitly, did damage to Towns in a place where he is most vulnerable. He seeks validation and he was never being validated. Even when he made the all-star team, you know, and so Rosas came in. We know what it's like in the NBA. He's got the one guy you've said it many times yourself. You have one of the best shooting big men around. He's at the beginning of a max contract and he's very young. That's a dream situation for any executive. Well, then you better make him happy. And so how do you make cat happy by constantly assuring him that he's the man? He's Is the that dude. the only way though? Well, I don't know.
1: What, what I, mean, I don't do I, I don't know it? either. I I'm rhetorical.
2: I I, like, I I think yeah, I mean if you could have gotten um you know, actually, you know, if if you're looking at to, to you know, haul in retread point guards, imagine Chris Paul on this team. Seriously? Can you imagine if Chris Paul was the guy who was uh, helping Cat out with everything? And then anything Cat did would eventually be subsumed in the, you know, lawyerly orbit of Chris Paul. You know, I think this is actually an interesting
1: comparison, not only to the fact that like Chris Paul was very gettable, you know, a year and a half ago. They literally the Rockets paid to first to dump Chris Paul to the Thunder. But I, I know you and I both have enjoyed watching Phoenix play this year. And, and one of the more interesting things in watching those games is, is the Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton relationship, right? Yeah. It is literally Chris Paul knows that for this team to win a championship this year or next year, that the variable that has to spike for the Suns positively is DeAndre Ayton. And he is intentional about that almost every moment he is on the floor. And, and now Aiden has le- far less cachet than cat, but you know, it's in a lot of ways, similar, right? Like first right. overall pick, big man, you know, questions very talented. about his
2: makeup. Right, right. Yeah.
1: Questions about his defense. Right. Um, and, and so I've seen Deandre Aiton, you know, I mean, I don't know how many Suns games I've watched. Certainly not all of them, but I've seen a lot of them. I, 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 I have to, I, I haven't ever seen him, look perturbed right by Chris Paul's you know pestering in in many ways right and and I think that's I think that's been huge I think I think I I wouldn't say Aiton's really ascended this year but if next year DeAndre Aiton is an all-star in in the west you know that that will be a big reason for it and if DeAndre Aiton is an all-star in the west next year like look out the Suns might win the championship right and I don't know. I, I would I would wonder. I think we've so like dismissed the idea of bringing in another brooding personality like Jimmy Butler because that so clearly didn't work with Cat. But I
2: wonder if that isn't the only way. But Chris Paul to... isn't a brooding personality. That's the thing about Chris uh, Paul. I don't know about that. He's a very, very different kind of player than Jimmy Butler. Put it this way. If Jimmy Butler went to Houston, would he have deferred and created as much space for James Harden to do what James Harden does as Chris Paul did? Would he? Yeah. Have, I don't
1: think he would have. I think Jimmy is, if he's like, if he knows what like you're about, and he and he believe, and he's like you're one of my guys, like he will let other people cook. Remember the first like 25 games of the Jimmy playoff year. Remember how low his usage was. Remember he was like
2: 15 points a game or something like that. And, he, and you, do you remember how much he went out of his way to tell everybody that's what he was doing and what always <laughs> happened in, in crunch time? Right. Anyway, what happened in crunch time during those 25 games? Jimmy Butler got most of the touches. Remember how it was a standing question whether Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, or Jimmy Butler would take over in crunch time. Jimmy Butler personally lost a half a dozen games to shit teams in the East by taking over games in crunch time when he had no business doing so. I like Jimmy Butler's season. He had a great season. But you look up. His season here when they made the playoffs and what his crunch time stats were, particularly against bad teams in the Eastern Conference where those should have been gimme games. Who should have been
1: taking those shots instead?
2: Whoever had the best shot, God damn it. I am so sick of it, you know? And that's the thing. Chris Paul, he takes the shot when he knows he can get the mid-range and they need to stop the bleeding. But otherwise, whoever has the best shot is who Chris Paul gets the ball to. That's fair. That's fair. I. And Jimmy Butler would not be able to handle that, in my view. Who has he gotten along with? Supposedly he's getting along famously in Philly until he decided he didn't want to be there. But I don't think
1: the players... I think James Harden sent Chris Paul out of town. Yes. I don't think Joel Embiid sent, sent Jimmy Butler out of town in Philly. No, I, I agree. Think that, I do. think that's pretty clear. I but think Jimmy... the reason
2: James Harden sent Chris Paul out of town was because Chris Paul was too redundant with what James Harden wanted to do. And what, if you have a guy who could do, sure. do 40% of your job better than you can, maybe you decide he's the problem if you have a big enough ego as James Harden does. What's funny to me now is James Harden learned, didn't he? You know, yeah. all of a sudden, yeah, he's next to cat Well, Kyrie, that's a good Katie.
1: Cat example too. Will Cat learn if he's given? So the two questions right there are what your your assertion is that a Chris Paul style of leader is necessary for Cat. For Cat to break out of whatever his glass ceiling is right now,
2: he needs I would that. think so. I mean, again... Um, you would think so, positively, yes? Yes, you say I, mean, I I no, I would think so, but I, I don't want to limit my options of how to have a leadership around cat to that Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, imagine either one of those two guys coming to this franchise. I think cat would fall in line as a second guy. And neither one of those guys are necessarily, you know, cock of the walk. They're not necessarily the guy on that team necessarily. Tatum is probably the acknowledged leader now, but Jalen Brown is in many ways their spiritual animal. He you know, he's he's the guy who really is the Celtics heart and soul and Marcus Smart. So so this ultimately
1: is is the question facing this team this summer. Obviously we are back in in the place of acknowledging that the current iteration of this team, the direction they're moving is untenable. Change to the roster very clearly needs to come in in the offseason. So there are different change paths to take here. And, and a lot of, and they all have to do with how you view the Carl Anthony Towns variable, because are you going out to make your change your buy mortgaging your future to go get someone to be above cat or are you, are you going to get a player to be his one B Those are, those are the questions. And, and certainly, you know,
2: one of those paths has to be taken, Right. Well, again, unfortunately, and I, I hate to say this because you know how I feel about this. You have to find out what Cat and Delo are. You mm-hmm. have to do that. And I will tell you right now, if you don't get at least 15 games of Cat and Delo, and you don't play those two together on the court at least 24 to 28 minutes Together, during that span, then it's all bullshit. Then, then your whole, you know, then then you should. Then you're calling your own bluff. You basically don't think that this is the future, because w- the the cat-Delo pairing is the ship in the Suez Canal right now. It is the thing that is basically blocking everything. <laughs> For miles and miles behind it, there could be no progress until we find out whether or not these two guys can be special together. I don't think they can be. But the current guy who runs the franchise expended a phenomenal amount of personal prestige and franchise treasure, both in terms of draft picks and cash, to say that this is it you have to give him that shot that is his shot now if he doesn't seize the shot when they finally finally get together you would hope at some point in time then it may be that you've just you know ryan saunders ran out of time waiting for them it may be that Dilo runs out of time waiting for them, or if they decide that Cat is more tradable, then Cat's run out of time waiting for them. But at some point in time, you can't have this blockage in in how the future of the wolves is going to go be held hostage by a pairing that never seems to be able to get off the ground. But and then does that pairing still have
1: to be the one-two? Like, why can't? why can't you see what that is and don't even if that works don't you still need to add a player that's better than d'angelo russell
2: i think so but i think again this is the problem d'angelo russell's been traded three times in his first five years Mm -hmm. he's never had a, a home a situation that's his deal and if that's actually one of the reasons why you do this is because he'll supposedly take the next step if he's granted that. And you know, I have I have no idea whether Cat and Dilo are as close as everybody claims they are, including each other. I mean, I don't know, but I do know that that's another thing that supposedly is supposed to create synergy. So I think if you put a guy on top. Um if it were me, I would scrap it. If if I were the guy coming in and I was replacing Gerson Rosas, I would do my best to make enormous changes on the team that are fundamental. I would not wait for the Cat Dilo thing to happen. But I'm a writer, a beat writer covering a team, knowing what the lay of the land is and the guy who's running the show has a vision that has had not had any chance yet to be implemented all right he will see that vision through if you put a guy on top of that um well first of all i don't know how you get the money um or maybe you know it we're john collins isn't going to be your alpha guy you know and that's probably about the best they could do right now in terms of you know what they have going in uh i don't no, know no i mean the
1: path is and people don't you wouldn't want to hear this is but it's you you talk about a, a jalen brown you know yeah a, a, a something like I would that i mean
2: you'd love jalen brown on this yeah team. But,
1: but the cost would be you know anthony edwards um and you know malik beasley right is that Sign me that's, up. or or it would be Getting this first, second, or third pick, and you know, attaching that to, to Malik Beasley, and, and and you trading it out, and and possibly even more than that. So the the price would be expensive to go get a you know to go get a player like that. But it, I would say it is possible. It is possible. I think that if if it's Jalen Brown or it's somebody else who a team is ready to cycle out of whatever window they are in and go back and get either Anthony Edwards, the first overall pick of the 2020 draft, or one of the top three picks in the 2021 draft, if the Wolves have it, which that happens. Teams would want to do that. They've exhausted where they're at.
2: Or both and and a bloated contract.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, Rubio. Rubio,
2: the pick in the 2021 draft, and Anthony Edwards could probably get you something very, very good.
1: Right, and I, I don't even want to put a name on that because if we right. put a name on it, then people will say this is insane. But just that, like right. X. It could get you X, and X is nice.
2: And and that's what, you know... And that totally... Then you are, are basically relying on your d cat pairing. You keep the vision. You keep the roses, mm-hmm. cornerstones. Only you build a wing onto the... Yeah. A structure that's even nicer than what the cornerstones are supporting. You know, you know, I would go the other Everybody wants way. to stay in the guest room.
1: <laughs> I, I would go the other way with it. All right. Where it is,
2: if if they get this top pick, then you go with the young guys and you also get a big guy because you traded Cat Dealer. Yep. More power to you. That's what I say. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind that either.
1: But, I, but if I was. But I don't think Gerson Rosas can do that because now you are going back into a rebuild and and he does, you know you don't have you don't have the time to go that. But if I had a guaranteed ten year contract to be the general manager of the Timberwolves, I think that is the best thing, you know, for for the for the future of this is is to if you get Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley, is to you know put him together with Ant, and I think honestly what I would do is I would probably just run out the D Lo thing. I would have D Lo be in the mix with them and and then you 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 trade Kat for the James Harden package or some version of that and you get the uh-huh. Karis the vert back in it. You know what I, and again I don't want to I don't wanna I don't wanna say the names Stop <laughs> not stop it stop it stop it stop I don't love it stop it you know what I'm saying that's why right. I can't say names I can't say names I can't say names <laughs> And, and had to I think he had to get in. What I also want to say <laughs> is that is that I think we could be wrong. I think both of those paths could be wrong,
2: without a doubt.
1: And no, and and that that there is a way. I just more than I want to admit. Think about how does this the path that they are currently on actually click into place? Because there is a way that that happens, right? Where. Where I, I it's hard for me to envision this exponential growth happening, right? Where right. everyone is back together. Um, you know, Beasley really does accommodate the cat D pairing. Well, the cat D pairing is as explosive as we, we hoped it might be. And Ant, you know, progresses like Luca, where he takes a big step his second year. Like that.
2: That's a five percent chance. I know, but it does
1: but know, like no, that's no, what guess, I'm saying. I guess right, right. When 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 I come here, and as I just said a minute ago, right, that right. I think the best path is to trade cat, right. I can't say that and not acknowledge the fact that 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 could be extremely wrong and stupid if this other thing does come together, and I think that could, and part of that is baked in, as you know, that I am more optimistic about, or at least more curious about D'Angelo Russell's fit here, and and what and what he could, what he could be, and. I don't know. I just I w- I want to say that, that I think there's a way that this does work with these top four as, as your guys. Because if for one reason or if not for another reason, that because this front office and this whole organization is doing everything it can to make it happen from right. Chris Finch down to everything like that possibility, that 5%, as you called it, it will get as much gasoline as it
2: right. can. It'll to, go to up make to seven percent. I don't know. No, I know. I know. Yeah. Right. right. We got my, my rebuttal is very, very simple. And, and believe me, I know that you are 80 percent devil's advocate here. You already said you, you know, dump yeah. cat if it had if it came to you with 10 years to spend. Um, no leader among those four. No defense among those four. No leadership, got, no defense. I mean, you know, that's really two boulders, you know. Um
1: I got no rebuttal for that. In
2: in the Western Conference. You know, I mean <laughs> you know, it's like uh um So then we
1: go to what is what is the what not big adjustment? <laughs> yeah,
2: well
1: <laughs> It it's where I go then it, and this is why that we when we had the conversation before the trade deadline <laughs> literally between a rock and a hard place between a boulder and a boulder right right you're presented with how do i adjust amongst that and it's why i go back to Malik Beasley mm-hmm. and and finding a way to to take him plus a strong future draft pick or the 2021 draft pick or Anthony Edwards and and make a move the problem is is that we learned at the deadline is that won't even get you John Collins. That won't mm. even like, I mean, so, and that just doesn't feel like enough. So now it's like bolder, boulder. And I don't believe in this other
2: angle out of the boulders. Right. So it has to happen internally. I mean, and that's why if we take a step back, because it is hopeless objectively on the ground right now, <laughs> um, but everybody always needs perspective. Um, the last time we were on, no, two, two times ago, when we were on, I said that um, McDaniel was a better long-term prospect than Edwards, which was objectively wrong in my view, even sitting here now. Okay. Yep. A week went by and it, I look so foolish for saying that. I mean, it was just so obvious. Ant went nuts. McDaniels went down. Uh, had, I think, his worst week of basketball in a Timberwolves uniform. Um, and I was very comfortable saying what I said. And I am still comfortable saying that in the long run, Edwards is a better prospect right now. But... These types of shifts are what we need to remember. We need to remember that Phoenix happened less than two weeks ago. We need to remember that the rockets happened and now will be there'll be a pivot out of this. And at the same time as we're thinking of those things, we need to say we're focusing on the big four because those are the things to focus on. But the way this team, as you squint hard and try to say, how in the world is this team going to do something? A Jaden McDaniels times three or trading for somebody that nobody thinks is going to be that guy turns out to be a great number three, a great linchpin on this right. team, you know? And you get him certain way, who knows how. Sure. Um, but look well, at it's- you- Look at Utah, look at Denver, look at, um, you know, a lot of the teams. If you look at the teams that have come up, you know, from from nowhere that are not star-driven, um, the teams we like to watch, quite frankly, you know? I mean, sure. did we really think, you know, this debate over whether Sabonis is an all-star or not. Okay, fine. But Sabonis was a great get when he was gotten, and now he's a really... Cool part of that team, you know? And there's one of those on every team that's currently in the playoff chase, you know. Sure. Um who is that guy for the Wolves? I mean, right now it's a rookie, 20-year-old rookie uh who got taken 28th in the draft, still very raw, but to me is got the best upside value, not necessarily a better upside than Edwards, but a better upside value than Edwards has you need to get those value plays hit at different points and Mm -hmm. guess what that's what the son of a bitch sold himself on when he came in the door he said i am the guy who will get you value in the margins and and things that look like singles i will leg out into doubles Um, i will make things work that way well okay you're gonna need to because your home run swings right now are, are tepid, you know? Uh, they are They are not producing solid hits. And so that's what we need to think of when we think of perspective as well, is uh, we don't necessarily, I think we do, you know, I will grant you that we need to have some leadership and some defense in some significant ways. And I don't think those things come easily. I'm not sure you get those guys um, in a a minor value deal. I think you have to target some of those guys. Um, But I also think that when you have a team that has Towns, Ant, D'Lo, and Beasley on it, what you need is pretty obvious, you know? You need uh, a guy who is Mr. Steady, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Leadership, and can organize a defense. Uh, what you and need... be really
1: damn good. Yeah, like you're describing, like Thad Young. There, like you need you need that, but also to be a
2: top forty player in the league. Right, exactly right. Forty is a great number because he doesn't have to be the best guy on the team, but he needs to be a pretty good number two. And it also has to be. It seems like
1: at the power forward position and at Gerson Rosa's, I was the most interesting part of his press conference. I thought the other day was his as actually to your question, discussing the power forward position. And this obviously ties into what we're just talking about with McDaniels. So let's talk about that, but quick break first. What's up everybody. Pausing the pod to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Podcasts. If you're looking to start a show, I can tell you from my experience that there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level to get it out there. If you don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discourse, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. The best part is you can get this all for just $15 a month. That is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me talk about the wolves, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. So Britt, on what would that been Thursday afternoon after the trade deadline, nothing happens. We do this 25 minute uh, media availability with, with Gerson Rosas. And um, I I think as we all kind of do, we come in, you know, and those, you know, you're probably only getting one question in. And, and for me, what I, what I chose to ask about was, was the, you know, had down to my notes, like ask about the D and Rubio pairing. What is your vision on it? And yours was, um, you know, to ask about what the, how his feelings about the power forward position have evolved from where they were back in december to where they are now at the end of march and so i want talk talk a little bit about why that's your biggest question and then two how how surprised were you by the way that rosa's answered that
2: question because i was very surprised mm-hmm. um i asked the question because He is a a person who likes to be active and he has stated that his top priority is improving the power forward position. He said it early. He said it to John in a interview, like I think it was after about 15 games into the season. Um, He clearly went out and tried to get a number of power forwards in the off season. Uh, per my colleague john krasinski's reporting and some other people's reporting you know they chased some you know decent power forwards on the market pretty hard uh didn't get Derek jones
1: jr jake crowder paul
2: milsap right uh and john i think jeremy grant even at one point but so anyway they wound up giving wancho three years 21 million dollars last year which they will Dump him after the two years. Uh, so it wound up being two years, 14. Um, so, um, meanwhile, what has been the power forward position for the Wolves this year? It's been a spinning wheel. I mean, it has been almost comically, uh, if anybody starts more than three games in a row at the power forward position, you want to send up a tiny flare, you know, like, Hey, hey. Well, and
1: it's, 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 it's almost more than just the starting because there probably has been a game. Like there have been runs of games well, where Vanderbilt yeah, Mc- has started Vanderbilt, three right. in a row, but
2: 17 had, minutes. Seven, exactly. That's what I was going to go with right, that. Right. right. So continue. All right. So you had Vanderbilt, you had McDaniels, who's his guy, you know, that's the coup. If, if you're talking about, the value play, I just got through saying that this is what he bragged about he could do when he walked in the door, and there's an example of it. So, you don't want to step on that if you're Rosas. At the same time, do you honestly think that that's your guy? And meanwhile, uh, whenever I rip somebody in a column, I always try when I can get around to it to give that person and mostly Rosas, since I've been ripping him probably more than anybody in my columns lately, but... um, give him a chance to respond. And so one of the things I, I've written a couple of times about Rosas is that um, he's behind the times. There's a lot of teams that play. Well, actually, you've you you you've done this. You did it before I did it, for God's sake. But there's a lot of big front courts in the NBA, and, and that's trending that way now. Um, some of the better teams run big front courts because it's proving to be... Uh, You don't have to choose, uh, you can actually have a guy who's really, really staunch defensively in the paint who can also step out and hit a three-pointer. You don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to choose which one of those. You get a hybrid like that. Um, So my question to Rosas was, you had reservations about the status quo power forward coming into the season. You've had a chance to see a number of players come through, um, Vanderbilt, uh, McDaniels, Wancho, for what that was worth, uh, Lehman, Layman, exactly. Um, and everybody was speculating about two power forwards connected to the Wolves. So you didn't do any of that. How do you feel about the power forward position right now? And how do you feel about the way it's trending? I think that was essentially my question, and I gave him a lot of credit because uh, he answered honestly in a way that did not reflect well on himself. Um, He basically said that the game is evolving away from. We can all remember Robert Covington at the four and then trading Robert Covington and not really having anybody at the four wancho i mean wancho and covington mm-hmm. have been this the signature rose fours thus far vanderbilt has just been a stopgap um and those are not viable fours in in the current makeup of the nba in my opinion
1: particularly and, next to carl anthony towns
2: right exactly who uh, he's always needed a bruiser i think okay And he basically copped to that to some extent. I mean, he said it under, you know, he
1: did. That's why I thought it was really on. And I think, and I don't know if everybody who's listening to this now, listen to that, but I I played the whole clip on the pod after that. So they, they know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. And so um, I thought that was great. I always think, you know, people have heard me admit my mistakes numerous times. I I enjoy admitting my mistakes so that I can just move on. You know, I mean, we all agree. I was wrong there. Okay. Next subject, you know, because I'm not going to be right a lot. You know, I'm going to be right sometimes, wrong sometimes. I'm going to say what comes into my mind and trust my instincts on it. And if it doesn't work, all right, that's the way it works. I mean, everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, that's the way they are. Or if they're super, super careful and it doesn't happen very often, then they're not very, very, very interesting to listen to. So he admitted his mistake. I think a a real positive, what that also means is he said, "We're you know, we like McDaniels. We like, fortunately McDaniels had just throttled Luca the previous night um, and it sets up the, you know, the idea of he's a hybrid three, four, which is great because the Wolves really don't distinguish between the three and the four a lot in what they do. So I don't think that's, I think that's kind of a, it's a moot point whether McDaniels is a three or four to the extent of how you use McDaniels. It's not moot, okay. given the, the lineup. You you play somebody bigger than him, you play, play somebody smaller than him, obviously. But I like that flexibility. So, which is all to say, power forward is a place that fits in with this four horsemen of the no defense, you know? <laughs> You need, you bring in somebody else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> As this just comes to your head, four horsemen of the don't do. I kind of like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it it's uh, four horsemen. Was it the apocalypse? And so it's not, you know, it's not quite the apocalypse. It's just no not, defense. Not, not quite right. So we'll see. Uh, I agree, though. A power forward would be great. Who are the guys? You know, who was a quality defender? Who were some of the best? you know, defensive power forwards, quite, you know, that's quite frankly, I wanted Jeremy Grant in the offseason quite a bit, you know, uh, I still think he would be a great fit on this team. Unfortunately, the other problem with Jeremy Grant right now is the reason he didn't want to stay in Denver is because he wants to be
3: a Shots. number one
2: guy. I mean, <clears throat> that doesn't work on this team, you know, even if Jeremy Grant in his wildest dreams.
1: Well, that's, what's kind of weird, right. About these, uh, I mean, You know, we've talked about this before. Like I've talked about Aaron Gordon as being the archetype of the ideal four next to him, and 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 Aaron Gordon, don't shake your head at me, Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon. But Aaron Gordon and Jeremy Grant are are the same archetype of player. They are.
2: Yeah. Jeremy Grant just happens to be better.
1: Sure, that's fair. But those are that is the archetype, and and what's what's interesting is a lot of those players in that archetype
2: think they can choose. fancy
1: fancy themselves, right? Like fancy themselves as high, higher usage guys. Right. Like if you can, if you can nail that, what this team needs to do is kind of nail the player in that archetype who is willing to seed, you know, offensive responsibility to cat and whoever of the four horsemen, no defense else you keep out there right. around them, because that's, you and, know, that, and, that's and who they And to
2: Rosas credit, um, he went after Paul Millsap. He went after Jermichael Green. Those are mm-hmm. two guys that, I mean, they're not great defenders, but they're good defenders and, uh, they fit that role. You know, sure. Al Horford back in the days when he was a four, he's too old and creaky now would be the ultimate guy. Sure. I mean, Horford and Cat and in the front court, when Horford was in his prime, ah, uh, that would just be, you know, that'd
1: be dreamy. Uh, so we're going to talk about
2: Horford later. Oh, good.
1: Did <laughs> you see what happened yesterday? No. That Woj thing? Oh, no. All right. Let's just talk. Well, no, we'll get to that. Let's keep talking about Let's okay. talking about Power okay. Forward because you're going to love this. Right. Um, but the the idea, what we're getting at here is is you got the four horsemen and you got a, a, a need at Power Forward. And what you heard Rosas reflect in his answer is some agitation between the idea of, you know, it would be ideal if McDaniels could just plug in right there. But we don't, but we don't know if that is actually the best thing for this team, whether that's the best thing for McDaniels one as an individual or for cat as a five. And I think, I think, to me, what that answer signals is he doesn't think so. I think Rosas does view McDaniels to more so be the three who situationally plays small ball four and that they still do need to address that power forward position. Well, And to it's back just complicated that up. because then you got
2: to mix it all up to get there. And to back that up, um, I think there was clearly friction between Ryan and Gerson in the playing of McDaniels. Ryan played him almost exclusively at the four. Finch sure. came in and began to play him much more, not exclusively, but much more at the three. Um, Part of that, though, is Beasley leaves the rotation. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't sure. know. I
1: mean, yeah, but that's a fact. I'm just pointing yeah, that out. Right, that's, right. A, that's a factor. His yeah. McDaniels' minutes spiking on the wing, playing small forward, happened after the coaching change. What also happened after the coaching change was Malik Beasley, two games into it, Malik right. Beasley and his 35 minutes a game got pulled out of the way.
2: Right. But when McDaniels did play and he played sparingly under Finch to begin with, it was as much, it wasn't it was so all bizarre. It wasn't exclusively at the four. And, um, yeah. and also, I just don't think that um, for, he loves Wancho. I mean, that's part of it. And I think that's He and Finch probably, I mean, Finch and uh, Rosas probably said, well, Wancho's being misused. We've got to use Wancho better. And Wancho has been more productive. I think you're playing with fool's gold there. No one who knows me should be the slightest bit surprised that I would say that. But Wancho Hernan Gomez is exactly the kind of guy that gets major minutes on a shit team. I mean, that's who he is. I
1: I've said uh, you know, going back a month now. I don't remember if it was to you, but I've certainly said it on the pod is that my prediction was that Wancho starts starting at power forward once Beasley and Delo are back uh-huh. because you well for a few different reasons and Finch's All affinity I'll for score an... him. Yeah, and and also because. Um, I think as you look at front court pairings, uh, you, you go: Cat, Wancho, Nas, and McDaniel's are your are your fours to play there, and it makes more sense because Cat's a better defender than Nas to pair Wancho with Cat and Nas with McDaniel's. I, I mean, I'm guessing, but I, right. I think, I think that's you know that's what we'll see there. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because that's not a tenable long term solution because. To your point, if Juancho Gomez is starting on any team in the league, it's not going to be a very good team.
2: Right, and what is funny about that? Here we are staring at April. In late December, what was the Wolves' starting lineup?
1: God, I don't even remember. Cat at the five. Or were we talk about when he Wancho, Dilo, no no, it was there. Cat, Juancho, Delo, knows Layman. Not layman started at the beginning.
2: Only because Wancho showed up out of shape. Everybody yeah, assumed yeah. It would be Wancho. Wancho right. was going to be the starting power forward. And here we are, you know, after all mm-hmm. this time. Um it's it's the they chasing, you know. Do you agree with me? Do you think he'll start? Uh I don't know. I mean, to the extent that um yeah, it's kind of a weird one. Well, there are certainly some points that argue for it always helps to look at the payroll when figuring out whether guys are going to start or not, because the guys who get paid the most um, means that that's what the general manager thought of them. Mm -hmm. And so Rosas thinks he's the most valuable power forward on the roster. He gets paid more than anybody. Um, Finch loves him. Finch. Was four square in his corner from the beginning. And and to Wancho's credit, uh, Wancho was a key member of that comeback uh, when Houston uh, didn't even, I mean, maybe shit the bed and then set the bed on fire. I mean, you know, whatever had happened, that game was just <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, you know, that, that was. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, did you go back and watch it by chance? I did watch some of it. I, uh, just the fourth that I know the 7:30. Uh, the 7:30 is incredible,
2: it's like amazing. just
1: Houston's possession, and it was happening incredible. again
2: in the third quarter the other night. Did you see how Houston just basically we have a lead now? How do we basically just don't move, stay put if we can hold the ball for 24 seconds and not turn it over? Can We win by running out the clock. I mean, it was just, John Wall goes, nope, I'll turn it over before 24 seconds. (laughs) Either that or I'll miss a three. But yes, Wancho is definitely in the running to be a four. And here's the thing that worries me the most. And you know, uh, in past podcasts, I've talked about this. um, The whole idea of the NBA trend of there are teams that just basically say screw defense you know we're just gonna outscore him Chris Finch has got a little of that in him he likes to pretend that he's a defense guy but he's not he's a de- he's an offense guy the guys he plays are offense guys and- right I
1: mean yesterday who are the guys he took out of the rotation right now you've added back Jordan McLaughlin and Malik Beasley in the last two games the rotation right and the three players that have left the rotation he's cut it down right. so the, the and the 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 guys who have been removed are Lehman and Culver who are all flawed players, but deeply flawed players, but amongst the best defenders on the team. Their one way is defense. Exactly. So he, he does say that I'm a defensive first guy a lot. He says we need, I mean, his whole thing afterwards last night was he was raving about how they couldn't contain the ball. I think, I think he does care a lot more about defense or about offense, but that his it kind of blows his mind that offensive players can't (laughs) do the bare minimum defensively. I think that's I think I think that's
2: where we're at. I think if he didn't have a mask on, we probably would have seen his jaw dropping in the first quarter against Houston. I mean, because let's face it, I mean we we really haven't given. Uh, are, you know the full vent on the first. Yeah. I mean, forty-one points to the thirtieth-ranked defense after offense. you. Were, at, yeah, offense, after you have been lucky, after you had a, a team piss away a game more flagrantly than I've seen short of the uh, the the great Sacramento heist that the Wolves allowed to happen last year. <laughs> um, I mean, that's about the only copper one I can think of. And so, um, and then to come out and not care about defense. They didn't care about defense. I mean, no. you know, there, there was no, uh, didn't contain the ball. That's a nice way of saying we're not guarding anybody. We're not well, guarding you, anybody. Well, yeah. No, no.
1: You weren't on the call. He, he, Marnie said, like, her first question was, you know, where did it, how did this one start to, you know, unwind? And and Chris said, started with the first seven possessions. They, we didn't care at all about defense and they scored on all of the first seven possessions. There was, there was no ball containment. Then he's asked about the defense later, I think by John and um, any, he, and he said, you just, they flatly did not sit down in a stance and guard their man. Like that. That's a quote. I mean, that's what he, that, that's what he said. So that's what leads me to believe the whole, this is mind boggling to him how Terrible. These players can be defensively that are objectively really good offensively. I mean, right. Malik is such a good encapsulation of that, right? right? And as is Edwards. Edwards, they all is, are. Edwards Even is Cathy. flawed. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, all of them. It's the. Right. T- I mean, you 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 just got you just lost overall the weekend to the to the Rockets, like. You beat them by four or whatever, and then you lose by 22. I mean, that's... Basically, you
2: allow the Rockets to give you a game because you did not fuck up as badly as they did down the stretch. Um, And then you said, all right, let's even the score. Let's just give them the next one.
1: Down by 24 um, with like seven, eight minutes left in the second quarter. Right. I mean that is just. I, I've been saying this a lot recently. Like this is the entertainment business, and to put that product on the floor is just wrong. You know, like from a from a business standpoint, it's. I mean, it's bad timing for them. They've had fan. They've had fans at these last four games. I mean, uh-huh. it's like it's frontline workers. But I can say from my experience there, where I'm used to it, like feeling like I'm alone in a big like microwave. To now you could feel, like you could feel the fans there. You go to the bathroom and they're in the bathroom there with you. And it's the four games the fans have been back for was that Thunder game, which is the worst basketball game I've I've ever covered in person. That Thunder team sucks. What about last night though? I thought the Thunder game was worse. The talent, because at least the Rockets team. Like has talented players. Kevin Porter Jr. is a talented player. John Wall is a talented player. Kelly Olynyk is a talented stretch big. Like they have some. Like I, I know the Thunder are a better team, but there's there's ways to differentiate from, from that. The players outside of Shea who play for that Thunder team, Poleshevsky is the worst player I've ever seen, I've ever seen live. I'm serious. And maybe he'll develop into something. I've never and I've covered a lot of Timberwolves games, a lot of bad games. I've never seen a worse basketball player pokashevsky so that's your first that's your first thing on the platter for welcome back fans you just lost to the Pokashevskys. right then then the next night is is the Dallas game where you just get stomped out and then these two against the Rockets I mean it is I know people want to come so I'm saying this rhetorically but do you even want to watch this yeah like I could tell you from experience of the majority of these games, and I'm as invested in this team as anybody is, right. it is extremely difficult to be at the stadium and watch the second half of yes. the majority of the games. Well, you it, know it, that I have
2: bowed out of the last two post games because yeah. I'm a veteran of these things. <laughs> I know when a team is embarrassing itself and the have this thing where people have to go in front of you media and the media has to ask the questions. It is all a kabuki horror show. It is all essentially people pretending concern there. Everybody's trying to figure out a way to own what has happened, take responsibility for what has happened, vow that this should be different in certain ways. And it's like a guy who you've just read his resume is coming out of jail um, for embezzling a bunch of money. And all of a sudden there's a lot of money missing from your account on the first day you see this guy and you This ask, is postgame. You're talking and, about post-game and life? you ask him about it and you ask him oh. about it and he says we should really take care of other people's money. I've been to jail for this, so I know that it's the wrong thing to do. It should not happen at any time. And if you keep me here, I will do everything in my power to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. Are you gonna believe that guy? No, you're gonna say, what happened with the money that's gone tonight? That's you, well, isn't it? That's you, buddy. You know? Well, as
1: as it turned out, the money was gone the next night, you know. <laughs> it got blown out well, again. Well
2: exactly. I mean, the idea the, the, the idea that um Rubio wasn't gonna come out there the last two games because Rubio would have said What do you want me to say? I've said the same thing under much better circumstances. You know, you want me to say that nobody on this team gives a shit about defense? Nobody on this team gives a shit about defense. They don't care. If they care, it's only because we might have a chance to win because somehow our offense has been so good or we're in the game somehow. But if another team wants to... Nailed it. If the other team wants to take the initiative and get ahead of us well then you know um it's just one of those things where we'll see what happens the next game but we should be committed to defense we should be committed to defense
1: that's why we got nas reed for our person for the the player who came out yeah you know and i asked him i asked him about falling down falling down
2: great idea i did it is a burning question it is you know you and i tweeted that like Eight seconds apart in 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 in, in in like really clever ways. <laughs> it's it's actually. I insane. said he mocked the floor with himself, which I thought was and pretty I, good. And I, yeah.
1: <laughs> he does, he does, he falls over every game, and and it like.
2: And his shooting percentage on fall downs is actually quite high. Very high. He's really good
1: at going to the basket. It's a lot no, he's more really costly good at falling miss- down going
2: to the basket. There you go. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's pivot off of this. Uh, this crazy team. Um, right. Do like do like fifteen minutes. Al and, Horford.
2: Uh, yeah. What what about him? I have no clue. So he's so
1: he's, he's he, okay
2: though, isn't he? He's not he's okay. physically yeah. okay. No, that's the
1: issue. Is he's a hundred percent health wise? They cut him. And with twenty eight games left in the season, no, he has three years and like ninety million dollars left on his deal. <laughs> They shut him down for the rest of the season. He's not going to play the rest of the way, twenty eight games. I think it's so they're tanking like blatantly. The mo, it's the most blatant thing I've ever seen.
3: In, uh, in remember terms of
1: Mark
2: Madsen. Okay, that's that's true. That was one
1: game. This is twenty eight games. This is twenty eight games. I mean, I okay. it is. It's such a. I mean, okay. Last night or this weekend this tank sesh that happened at target center. Yeah. The, the most insane part of it is that the Timberwolves and Rockets could tie for the worst record in the league. They could have the wor- two worst work records. And in it the wouldn't league.
2: matter. Right.
1: And the Wolves still have a 59.9% chance of losing their pick. Right. Right. And the Rockets have a 47.8% chance. That's of losing their why pick. they changed the rule to prevent this from happening. And it didn't work. It <laughs> didn't work. I just watched it. I just wasted my whole damn weekend.
2: Well, think it. about, I mean, cleveland detroit what are they doing right now okay see think about the teams that are orlando you know, orlando yeah that's interesting isn't it now you watch orlando will have a little bit of a, a stir it's uh clifford's a good coach i was just about to say steve clifford is the wrong guy to put in front of a tanking team and
1: apparently this Dagnot guy in okc is i too. like him too yeah he's a good well, coach. It, he's co- he's a g-league coach and he's coaching a g-league team and so i mean actually chris finch too it's, it's like you're used to just oh these are the 12 yeah. guys we got tonight oh we only have eight tonight like whatever you just kind of you know, put right. them out there so i mean it's just the, the they reason need to I figure
2: say, out what the Wolves' special sauce is on this <laughs> yeah. you know some teams just I, don't lose games like this franchise does
1: I got some ideas, but keep those, <laughs> keep that recipe to myself. Um, I I think I just think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous, and it's kind of relevant to the wolves as they find themselves murdered in this tank kind of thing. What well, they're in the tank by accident. They don't want to be there. Everyone else is trying to dive as low as the wolves are. I mean, with with the what the Rockets did at the deadline, what the Magic did at the deadline. The the thunder are, are like doing everything that they, they can't even get down to where the wolves are. They have nineteen wins right now. Yeah, they've nineteen, and the wolves have eleven. They there's not, there's not enough time for them They're to not. suck enough right. to to get to even get to the wolves. And that's what's one of the most embarrassing things I think about this Timberwolves season <laughs> is that is that their stated position and a lot of their behavior is that they are not in fact tanking. They're just losing as much as the teams who are trying to lose. It's right. Gross.
2: Yeah. And so that's the Al Horford thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how many games do we have left now? Is it 11 and 36? Is that where we're at? 47? Uh, 11 and 35.
1: Yeah. I think it's 35.
2: Okay. So 46 games and it's 74, right? 72. 72. Okay. So 26 games left.
1: Mm -hmm. what do you think the record will be
2: 46 26 games left i think they'll win six six and 20 so that's 17 wins which is already
1: what like the Cavs already have 17 okay so there you go how many teams could get below them well so the the threats are okay so i'll read it off minnesota (laughs) has 11 wins Minnesota's 11 and 35. Detroit. Detroit is 12 and 33. Houston after their big win last night is 13 and 32. Orlando's 15 and 30. Washington is 16 and 28 and Cleveland is 17 and 29. Those are the only teams who are even in the mix. Oklahoma City's and Toronto, they're they have right. too many wins. Right. So so really it's I mean I do think the Wolves will pass Detroit and Houston.
2: And these guys have to play each other too. Probably, yeah. I mean,
3: the, I think the, threat... the
2: Eastern Conference dregs have to play each other. Also, I, I think that Washington is trying to win. Washington is trying to win. I don't <laughs> put them in there. So,
1: so really, I, I, I mean, I think it's Minnesota, Detroit, Houston, and Orlando that are in the mix. And and what everyone's gonna to want to say to keep the 40.1 is you gotta stay in the bottom three. Right. But really, if the wolves follow the it's like 37 slot, or something, right? Yeah, it, you lose it's 36.6. You lose three and a half percent. So it's yeah. it's not actually a big deal. But I just think this is just it's just fucked up that we care about this stuff. Like it's and that the Horford thing can happen, and that, you know, that Detroit was able to buy out Blake Griffin with multiple years left on his contract, everything Houston has done this year to to intentionally give up on the season. I mean, look at all these teams. I, what, what Orlando did at the deadline, it's just there is, and I mean, there is a problem here.
2: All of these, th- the other part of the problem is you have just a bunch of dinosaurs, you know, zombie walking to the best teams. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot, you know, the bio market is stupid. This L- LMA is so stupid. on the Brooklyn Nets, what in the world is that about?
1: You know, I mean. It's the all-in on offense. <laughs> I wonder if we'll see him tomorrow night. LMA and Blake Griffin are, you
2: know, like they're the tandem power forwards now, huh?
1: I actually, I wanted to ask you about Brooklyn. Um, just because they're playing them tomorrow night. If people are right, able right, to right. to get to this part of the pod before the game. Um, you know, they're really good. I mean, we talked at the, whatever that was, the halfway point of the season. And you were still pretty skeptical on them. Uh, They've only ascended further.
2: Where are you at? I well, I mean, I'm skeptical on them in terms of uh, winning the chip. You know, and and even if they do win one, basically going all in. I said, if you win one ring and give away four or five draft picks, is it worth it? You said it was. I said it yes. wasn't. If you remember Obviously. that, okay. Yes, yes, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that so was the nuts conversation. Yeah, right. yeah. And and the other thing I said, which they found an interesting way around right now, is there's not enough ball. Well, there is if one of the three stars is always out for some reason. And so, mm-hmm. what will be interesting is when the bright lights come on in the playoffs, and all of a sudden everybody really is healthy. And all of a sudden, somebody really does want to show. Sure. um, Tell me how Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden all don't have particularly special motivation for being the go-to guy on their team this year when it comes to the playoffs. KD has won, I think, two postseason finals MVPs, yes um, Kyrie should have won one I don't know if he did I think that went to LeBron the year they won yeah, it all I think so too yep. um, but Katie is going to want to say everybody thinks that uh, I won those things you know just because of the team I was on this was you know I'm the alpha of the three guys here on this I should be the guy going for it Kyrie's going I didn't want to play with LeBron James. You think I'm going to basically take a back seat now on this? And James Harden is saying, everybody says I couldn't win. Well, watch this, you know, mothers. And so all <laughs> of these guys, right now, the rivalry is each other when it comes to uh, right. how to polish the glory. Obviously the greatest. So, so you're, you're
1: assessment is that I they're having as sca- much su- they're having as much success as they are because they're consistently injured. Yes. <laughs> Which is the exact inverse of what's happening to the wolves. Well
2: the, right. I mean I know those sur- are they things. have a surfeit of talent. They have a they have three guys who are forty percent usage guys. Maybe K D isn't but only because um right. he yeah. allows other people to set him up. Um but KD, on a, in a, in the normal basketball world, I think he might have had a thirty usage even on the the you know the Warriors. Um, oh, I believe it. Yeah. So, but the point being, they all can be very easily thirty five usage guys, which comes to a hundred and five percent. You know, so uh, something has to give there, and. Sure. Harden has gotten really used to settling into exactly the role he had in Houston, uh, of being the, he's the playmaker on that team. Every time I've seen him anyway, Kyrie, Mm -hmm. um,
1: Kyrie said as much. Yeah. Like you're the point guard.
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) take that to the bank if you want. I mean, Kyrie, everything out of Kyrie's mouth is, is an interesting, you know, it's almost like a uh, Rorschach test as to uh, whether or not you. Which one I of these? Which one of these statements is true?
1: Which I one of these statements?
2: Which one of these statements is true? You know, and then you play four Kyrie statements. Which one of these statements is true? <laughs> so,
1: anyway, they—they've been awesome. I was watching. Uh, I didn't finish. All it, that I said, watching.
2: I will They're say good. that if your philosophy is outscore them, they certainly. Have put together a, a monster outfit to do it. I mean, arguably three of the top five on-ball ISO guys that will just kill you. Mm-hmm. They're all unguardable single single coverage. They all cannot be stopped with one defender, even a good defender. Hundred percent. And if you're thinking, okay, well Paul George and Kyrie, I mean uh, Kawhi can handle two of them, yeah, there's one left over. And, you know, um, Pat Bev, I don't know. Can Pat Bev guard Kyrie Irving Uh, one-on-one? The best matchup for them is probably the Clippers, simply because the Clippers have great outside shooting and they have great defenders. Um, But I would also be, I would be interested in seeing LeBron's you know, LeBron and Davis are going to be healthy for that come hell or high water. You know, they will wait to get, they'll lose a bunch of regular season games to make sure that they are not injured for the finals or, you know, whatever it comes to.
1: Interesting. If they have to go through the play-in game.
2: (laughs) I know and the West is phenomenal, isn't it? It's uh, the West. The West is a lot of fun. Um, Denver. Everybody says Jokic is the MVP. You know. What do you say? I like Damian Lillard and I like um, Chris Paul. I like LeBron. I like all three of those guys better than I like Jokic. Um, you know. I, I
1: mean, it's it's hard for I think for for you and I, you know, we are not uh, NBA writers, right? So right. we're we're taking it in in bits and pieces and. Um, but the NBA can, writers
2: are they're front runners,
1: you know. Yeah, I would just like to think. I mean, you used to be an NBA writer when you were at at Sports Illustrated. You probably right. did, whether you had a real vote or not, you did your ballots and stuff like that. Right. I, I'm just saying, you were probably more intentional about tracking that over the course of the year than, than.
2: Oh yeah, you I see what you mean. Yeah. I, well, and there are guys who basically. That's their job. Their job. I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Ashburner yeah. is is supposed to do the rookie of the year, you know? Um, right. he has a column about it every 2 mm-hmm. weeks or so. Um right. And I'll be frank. Aside from John Schumann, I don't trust any of them. You know? John's, any of
1: the NBA writers? Yeah. I mean, well, in because, terms of in terms of
2: because Zach Lowe's
1: behind a paywall now so I'm not reading I, him. That's
2: right. I'm not reading him. Yeah, I can't afford him. Uh, <laughs> but John Schuman John Schumann, no, what I, John what Schumann I, is. Uh, you give him a lot of love. Has anybody done <laughs> better things with numbers than he does?
1: No, it's it's great. It's great. Hollinger is very good too. Hollinger is very. This is good. what
2: I was. This is what I was trying to say.
1: Is I I always like to recognize that you know there are extended periods of time where I don't see any game, any Nuggets game for two weeks. Okay, right? fair um, enough. Yes. And but I what I will say is when I watch Nikola Jokic, it every game I have so mirrors what his spectacular numbers have been. He has never had in any, and I watch full games, Right, has never had a game that I've watched that hasn't matched up with how statistically dominant he is. And I think what Jokic is going to get labeled as is there is a window open for him to win it right now is this guy who, oh, well, you know, we're just kind of jazzing him up because he the way the Nuggets use him, he he's put in a position to rack up assists and rebounds and and such like that. Almost like not with the same derogatory sense of Russell Westbrook, but I think that's part of the perception of, of Jokic. But when I watch Jokic play and he turns in a 26, 12 and 13 game, it feels like a 26, 12 and 13 game that he has thoroughly dominated, you know, the opponent at one end of the
2: court true
1: okay fair but I'm just that's why I I don't I don't I haven't spent enough time in this but I don't I've heard a lot of pushback on the Jokic the Jokic thing this year now that the windows open and I I think he belongs in the category that you're taking him out of you said LeBron, Dame and who uh
2: Chris Paul Dame Lillard and LeBron
1: and yeah, no, because Embiid's been hurt. Um and, I, that... and
2: and Embiid actually um maybe it's a bias right now against Biggs for me. I don't I thought Embiid was overrated when he was an MVP favorite too. Um I think Funny, I, I think my three are
1: none of no overlap. I think my three would be Jokic in no order, Jokic, Giannis, and Harden. Uh huh. I understand that. Um, it's a really interesting year for the award. I, I like. Yeah. I like it kind of that it spread a little equal.
2: I like. I mean, we just got through talking about what the Timberwolves lack, <laughs> and it isn't necessarily. I mean, I know that I'm going to get crucified for saying this because it'll it's easily taken out of context. But talent is not the thing they really, really lack. What they really, really lack is a cohesive fiber that can only come from a combination of organizational stability, Mm -hmm. intelligence, and character that is um, best demonstrated by the kind of character, all three of the guys I mentioned have that, which is why I'm taking this circuit to this route. Yeah. I really do think that Chris Paul, Dame Lillard and LeBron all have something that when they enter your team, your team is all of a sudden a better team in terms of its fiber, in terms of its stability structure. It is right. less vulnerable to all the little weird shit that happens in the world. Um, And which is why the Lakers were winning even when AD was hurt, but now are not winning because LeBron's out. It's why. Why doesn't Giannis belong in that pile? Because Giannis to me, um, I think Giannis has, He's like Rudy Gobert in that he's got a flaw that I think could be picked at in a manner that leaves the team. You don't want to de-emphasize a guy who is vitally important to your team, but you don't want Rudy Gobert to be doing 100% of his normal regular season stuff. And you don't want Giannis to be doing 100% of his normal regular season stuff. Um, you can build a wall. I mean, to borrow Stan I mean, I've got these infamous phrase, <laughs> you can build a wall on Giannis, and it does matter. For sure. Put it this way. If Chris Middleton doesn't have a great playoffs, the Bucks aren't going anywhere.
1: Holiday's pretty good.
2: Huh? Holiday's pretty good. Drew Holiday. He is, but I think you need somebody who's – I mean, you probably need all three of them. You probably do my 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 point is um if dame is dame uh you're in it you know you have a chance to be in it um i mean they have the 29th
1: ranked defense they got they got some four horsemen over there too i was going to say they do they
2: do and dame is the guy if you try to outscore him there is no better person in the nba right now james harden kyrie irving kevin durant take a back seat. Dame Lillard is the best guy with a ball in his hands. If you need points in the NBA,
1: let's, uh let's circle back to this in a few weeks. I think it's going to be one of the, those years where again, like I, I, I don't normally get all that in. I, in, I'm into the MVP conversation because it's not obvious. Right. I like those. No, I, I agree. like those. And I it's, agree. it's, 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 it's very, and
2: sprung, by the so. way, all three of the guys you mentioned are mm. clearly great. Um, my point with Harden, who's the easiest to pick apart, is right. if he went down
1: tomorrow. I agree. He doesn't go
2: into your pile. They're if he that. went down tomorrow, the landscape wouldn't change.
1: Not as drastically as the other guys.
2: So where's the value in the V? Where's the V? Right.
1: Oh, uh, it's, it's an argument of... You know, his force of will and the impact of the game to boost the value over, you know, he
2: is having above
1: replacement level.
2: He is having a year like he's had in other years and it hasn't been enough.
1: I'm not saying I would pick him. I think, now, he, you I think argue, he belongs s- in the conversation.
2: Same argument could have been said to me back at Dane Lillard. You know, he's having a year like he always has and it's never been enough. So, right.
1: you know, I was, it, think, I was thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh Let's let's wrap on this. Uh All right. Nets, Knicks, Grizzlies, Sixers this week. Uh huh. Um, for the Wolves. I, I, mean, I know that. I mean, that, that's what it, it seems. What is
2: all for different reasons? I mean, the Knicks really want to win, the Knicks want to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom Thibodeau, if he can bring this Knicks team into the playoffs, he's back, baby. I mean, you now that's the thing. Tibbs was easily mocked. Um, during his time away, and you know who their starting center is
1: now, and it is because of Mitchell be Robinson being letter. out. Yeah, but he's already been playing over Mitchell Robinson as Taj man, and he looks the same. He looks the same. It's I
2: watched the Knicks yesterday. It was. I'll tell uh, you, I'm really glad you told me that because I have not ever liked the Knicks because they're you know part of it is I have a big market bias, uh, but if Taj Gibson can be feted. I'm all for it. That guy's the best locker room
1: guy I ever covered. They've been one of the teams that I've found myself stumbling into more and more. And I can't believe I ever would say this, but I think Julius Randle is... He's playing well. Playing so well. Yes, he is. They're an interesting team. I want to see D. Rose get back. You know, Taj, all those guys.
2: Well, you know, Julius Randle, if you watch him, he reminds me of Derrick Rose sometimes. Yeah,
1: I, I would you know, I, I mean say.
2: he really is one of those bull. guys that also, <laughs> like literally a bull. And the spin moves and the and the like the improbable mm-hmm. like I'm taking on this double team and beating it now, you know? But the the thing with Randall that sticks out most
1: if, most if you watch, you know, a, a few of his games is he is a passer. Yes. He is and he gets into the, the heart of the defense and passes so much more than you would think that Julius Randall of of old does. So right. That's that's Wednesday, Grizzlies and Sixers. I, I just I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna be. Um, they never match in a pretty up well with the place. Grizzlies.
2: The Grizzlies yeah. might be. Um, by the way, what do you know? What happened to Triple J? There, what happened to him?
1: Uh, he's uh he's coming back April first, I think they said.
2: That is way too late. That is a that's a damn shame. You know. Yeah. They could have really been something. They need he's a month time. of it. They need a, you
1: know, I don't know. Like the not in a month of d Let's quit on
3: that
1: one. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Um, you writing this week? Who knows? Probably not, but I have no idea. All right. Um, he's Britt Robson. We'll be back to talk. Maybe it won't be an 0-4. Who knows? Maybe they'll beat... Maybe they'll be- Maybe they'll have beat the Nets and there hey, people are listening. to this right the now. That's the way it, it goes. It does. Talk, it does. We taught you it could. There is, there's the 7% chance, right? 5% and 7% if you pour
2: gas. Well, them. for, for the, uh, the, the monster things you're talking about, I think there's a 50, 50 chance. They win at least one game. <laughs> that's. <laughs> that's not, the limit. I'm crawling
1: out on. I mean, there's seven times four. That's 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, he's Brett Robson. I'm Dane Moore. Um, Until after tomorrow's night, tomorrow's game against the Nets, Um, we'll talk to you then. See you, Britt. Peace
2: out.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?